one moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences, financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, welcome, and good morning, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Online Radio Network. And we've got another terrific program for you today, as the topic of discussion will be international fraud, any money laundering, FCPA issues, and more. We will be joined shortly by my special guest, Billy Marlin, who is a forensic accountant by training and an internationally recognized expert in the areas of AML and FCPA, among many others. Uh, but before we get to Billy, uh, let's remember that we have the call-in line if you're interested in joining our discussion, which is 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790 if you would like to uh, join in with us today. I have a question for myself or uh, Billy. Uh, you can also find, uh, find us online on all the major uh, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We use hashtag fraud talk and uh, my Twitter handle is at fraud talk, one word. Also follow our blog, which is called fraud talk on blogspot. And you can contact me directly at chris at marquetinternational.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international, all one word, dot com. If you've got a question, comment, or a suggested fraud of the week. Speaking of which, uh, this week's fraud uh, comes from Fraud Talk listener Craig. And uh, actually, uh, I picked this one uh, in honor of our guest because it has a, uh, it is international in nature. And it involves a major fraud perpetrated against the Vatican Bank, wherein as much as uh, 70 million US dollars was allegedly siphoned from the proceeds of a, a number of real estate transactions uh, by a conspiracy of uh, two senior bank executives and an outside attorney uh, spanning a seven-year period. And uh, I want to just go through this uh, excerpting from Reuters from uh, a couple, just two days ago, actually. The Vatican's top prosecutor has frozen 16 million euros, which, by the way, is a little shy of 20 million U.S. dollars, in bank accounts owned by two former Vatican bank managers and a lawyer as part of an investigation into the sale of Vatican-owned real estate in the 2000s, according to uh, the freezing order and other legal documents. Um, Prosecutor Gian Piero Milano said he suspected the three men, former bank president Angelo Caloia, ex-director general Lelio Scaletti, and lawyer Gabriel Luzo, of embezzling money managing the sale of 29 uh, buildings that were sold by the Vatican Bank to mainly Italian buyers between uh, 2001 and 2008, according to the freezing order, which was reviewed by 
Reuters. The money in the men's uh, three men's bank account stems from embezzlement they are engaged in, quote-unquote, Milano said in his sequester order. Uh, <clears throat> Milano's investigation followed an audit by the, of the Vatican Bank by non-Vatican financial consultants commissioned last year by the bank's current management as part of an ongoing effort to... Um, to help them in transparency issues and compliance. The Vatican Bank earlier this year also filed a legal complaint against the three men. The, the men have not yet been charged criminally. Uh, the Vatican spokesman on Saturday issued a statement confirming the freezing, but gave no names, amounts, or other details of the case. Uh, the Vatican Bank said in a separate statement that it had, it had pressed charges against the three as part of a commitment to transparency and zero tolerance, including with regard to matters that relate to a more distant past. The bank statement also gave no details citing the ongoing judicial inquiry. Luzo, 91 years old, confirmed in a tele telephone interview interview that his bank accounts had been frozen. He said the prosecutor's allegations were quote-unquote rubbish and that all the money of the sales of the buildings had gone to the bank. Caloya, 75 years old, did not respond to uh, questions. Scaletti, uh, 88 also uh, has not responded to uh, Reuters. Uh, the audit, which was reviewed by Reuters, details the sale of 29 buildings, largely in and around Rome and Milan. And in the freezing order, Milano said that Caloia and Scaletti regularly underrepresented the proceeds from real estate sales in the Vatican Bank's official books. The men allegedly received the difference between the real sale prices and the amount officially recorded separately and often in cash. In, according to the order. Some of the previous proceeds were deposited in a Rome bank account that was not registered with the bank's balance sheet, the prosecutor said, and an estimated 75 million euros, that is about a little shy of 70 million U.S., were allegedly siphoned off illegally between 2001 and 2008, he said. Luzo, the legal consultant, received part of the funds, the freezing account, uh, order added. So uh, I guess we'll find out more about this case as it unfolds. Uh, interesting to note that all three of these guys are quite uh, elderly. Uh, of course, um, corruption in the Catholic Church is nothing new, but this case, uh, if it holds up, is is uh, pretty staggeringly large. Uh, <clears throat> when you have a conspiracy, it's uh, it's much easier to execute a fraud like this, but uh, it's also much ris a much riskier enterprise since any one of the conspirators could become a weak link. Uh, I wonder uh, specifically what led to the auditors to uncover this particular fraud. I guess we'll have to wait to, to find out. Um, I have posted this story on the Fraud Talk blog if you want to check it out. And, of course, this goes to our point, our mantra, which is at any time in any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good. Uh, so <laughs> that leads us. I want to get uh, I want to bring in Billy here. Um, welcome, Billy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well, Chris. You know, thank you for having me as a guest. Great, terrific. Well, I just want to uh, uh, introduce Billy and uh, give you give the listeners a little bit of taste of who uh, who you are, Billy. Uh, uh, first of all, 
uh, people. I've known Billy for about 20 years uh, when he started with Kroll back in New York City in the, I think, the mid-90s. Um, you are now the co-founder and principal of Veritas Assurance Partners based in Miami. Um, and full disclosure here, I am also happy to report to s- that uh, Marquet International and Veritas Assurance Partners have a strategic relationship and frequently conduct work together around the globe. Um, also, uh, Billy and I sit together on the board of the Center for Strategic Business Integrity, which accredits professionals uh, with the certified board advisor designation. And I encourage folks to check out the CSBI, Center for Strategic Business Integrity, uh, if you have a moment. So let, let me tell you a little bit about Billy. Um, Mr. Marlin is a forensic accountant by training and an internationally recognized expert in the areas of fraud investigations, anti-money laundering, FCPA, corruption, bribery matters, and financial fraud. He is a founding co-owner of Veritas Assurance Partners, VAP that is, an international investigative and consulting firm based in Miami, Florida, with offices in the U.S., Europe, Latin America, and the Middle East. He is the firm's practice leader for its global investigations and consulting practice. Uh, Mr. Marlin has over 20 years of combined domestic and international experience in law enforcement, private investigations, commercial intelligence, auditing, banking, and forensic accounting in both the private and public sectors. He began his career as an investigator for the New York City Department of Investigations and has been a senior member of a number of prestigious investigative firms, including Kroll Associates, Pinkerton Consulting, CityGate Global Intelligence, Protivity, Diligence, and Navigant Consulting. During his career, uh, Mr. Marlin has managed hundreds of investigative intelligence and litigation support consulting projects throughout the United States, Latin America, Europe, and Asia. And these matters have encompassed several industries or many industries uh, and has comprised numerous business intelligence and due diligence projects, compliance reviews, litigation support matters, fraud investigations, asset searches, employee misconduct inquiries, FCPA investigations and consulting insurance disputes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Uh, and he holds a BA in accounting and is a member of the ACFE. You can find Billy and his firm at www.veritasap, that's V-E-R-I-T-A-S-A-P.com. Billy, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chris, and thank you for the, uh, for a very long uh, introduction. You know, I'm uh, honored to be part of your, of your show. Sure, sure. Uh, we've known each other for, for some time. Uh, tell us about the evolution, uh, evolution of your career as an investigator. Uh, how did you get into it? I, I, you started with the uh, New York Depart- Department of Investigations as a financial investigator, and, and con- right. then you morphed into the private sector. Tell us about that. Well, evolution. actually, I, um, I, I got involved uh, in uh, investigating fraud uh, a little bit earlier than, uh, than that. Uh, it all started, actually, when I was the victim of, uh, of a fraud in a financial institution where I was working at back in the, in the Caribbean. Um, I was actually the controller of that institution, and uh, I, uh, after a couple of years, I actually uncovered fraud within the institution and reported that to uh, the board of directors. Which, you know, in turn, you know, uh, uh, decided not to uh, do anything about that because most of the uh, board members were involved in the, in the fraud. So uh, that was sort of, uh, you know, my uh, feet getting wet right there. Uh, I saw uh, 
the damage that uh, that was done uh, to uh, uh, many of the uh, members of the uh, uh, of the committee, the ones that did not participate on that. Uh, and then, you know, uh, that sort of uh, it, it guided me. It gave me some motivation to uh, investigate fraud and to continue to uh, uncover that type of schemes and uh, and, uh, and and help people. You know, that's the that's the way that I uh, I see what I do. I I help people. Uh, uh, Understand uh, that what they have done is wrong, and that uh, and it's in many times it's a it's a turnaround, you know, for uh, for people, you know, for for the good. So, uh, but you know, after that incident, I decided then to uh, to formally start you know working on doing investigations, and uh, I started to do that in the city of New York, uh, working for the uh, Department of Investigation. Uh, it was uh, a very, very interesting, you know, uh, uh, way to get involved in, into fraud and uh, investigations. Uh, I was sort of uh, wet behind my ears. I, I ended up doing uh, probably the most interesting, you know, matters that nobody wanted to do because it was too risky. Um, so I ended up doing uh, some organized crime work. Uh, uh, I did uh, uh, surveillance, you know, uh, I did uh, all, all different types of uh, in, uh, basic uh, investigations, you know, uh, techniques uh, on uh, a number of different, you know, uh, subjects. You know, uh, some of them were actually politicians, uh, some others were uh, mobsters, uh, uh, some others were uh, entrepreneurs that were doing business with the city of New York. And uh, the, the common link was that uh, there were allegations against, you know, each one of those, whether it was for uh, ethical uh, violations of uh, Code of conduct, or whether they were suspect of uh, stealing money from the city of New York. Um, so uh, I did that for several years, and uh, I learned uh, a lot out of that. Uh, New York is uh, is a very interesting place, in where most of the things that happen are somehow linked to international uh, uh, businesses and to uh, a different, you know, uh, array of, of cultures and. Uh, uh, and nationalities. So uh, I, I sort of develop a flavor for international fraud, you know, also uh, out of uh, working domestically in New York. Sure. And uh, and and so you then uh, went from there uh, after a number of years at the at the DOI uh, in New York to into private se- in the private sector. You actually you joined the Kroll. What year was that about? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that was probably in the uh, early uh, 90s or so. Uh, and then yeah. I started uh, out of uh, New York. And uh, uh, after a few years, uh, I was traveling so much, probably 70, 80% of the time at one moment, uh, doing cases internationally that uh, I decided to relocate into uh, Miami, which is probably the closest to, uh, uh, you know, the places that I was, you know, going at that moment. Um, so, uh, sure. Uh, didn't help at all because I continue to travel as much, but, uh, very, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, interesting, you know, times, uh, developed, uh, lots of, uh, geopolitical awareness of, uh, and, and of what was going on in different countries at different times. Sure. And then, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to have to cut you off there, Billy. We're going to have to take a break here, and, yeah. but we'll come back, uh, continue this discussion in about two minutes. Sounds great. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Workplaces are only as strong as their teams. Teams are only as strong as their individual members. Are you seeking a better way to take your business to a higher level? We're here to help. Listen for Leading with Social-Emotional Intelligence, Building Trust Through Intentionality and Vulnerability with host Glenn Harris. Together, we'll explore the five key behaviors of a cohesive team and other concepts designed to keep your team working smarter. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I am speaking today with my special guest, Billy Marlin, who uh, is uh, one of the founding principals of Veritas Assurance Partners. He is a forensic accountant by training and has uh, many, many years of uh, international investigative uh, experience, traveled throughout the world, particularly in Latin America, Central Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, where he's handled many, many uh, investigative matters and international fraud cases. Uh, Billy, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. We were uh, just uh, talking a bit about your background and uh, how you evolved. You uh, went to, you were actually started with a company that experienced the fraud in the Caribbean, and you reported it to the to the board, who really didn't have much interest because uh, many of the board members were involved in it, and that sort of spurred you on uh, to uh, uh, to get into this uh, the whole industry of uh, fraud investigations, uh, moving to New York, and then uh, working for the. Department of Investigations, and then going to Kroll uh, in um, uh, ultimately moving down to Miami, uh, where right. you currently sit. Uh, and then you worked for a number of other uh, major investigative firms as well before starting your own, correct? Right, that's correct. Uh, the, uh, probably one of the most difficult things, you know, uh, moving down here, you know, south to, uh, to Florida, 
was that uh, in New York, everybody, you know, used to call me Billy Martin, you know, for the uh, Yankees, you know, uh, skipper, you know, the, uh, the coach. And, uh, and here, uh, just by coincidence, Billy Marlin happens to be the, the mascot of, uh, of the uh, Florida Marlins. Oh, goodness. So, uh, it, it's, uh, it became, uh, 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 my name became very hard to, uh, to forget to clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it was good. And then I have, uh, by coincidence, I have, uh, uh, my first, uh, you know, boss here, the, uh, the head of the office, you know, his last name was Cash. So we used to go to meetings and, uh, people used to introduce, introduce those. This is Mr. Cash and Mr. Marlin. Everybody was looking at us like, yeah, yeah, you're for real, you know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Tom Cash, uh, who ran the Kroll office down there uh, in Miami. Uh, the um, let's let's uh, get into. I mean, you've had uh, just an incredible history. Uh, worked on many many international fraud related cases, uh, both you know on the investigative side, of course, you know fact finding and what happened, but also on the preventive side, doing compliance reviews uh, for major institutions around the globe particularly in the in central and south america uh and I, i'm sure our our leader our, our listeners would like to hear about some of these cases and uh and some of and some of the advice that you gave them after the fact i mean one of the cases uh, you know i talked about one of the cases that you helped uh, you worked with uh, outside counsel for a major international cruise line uh investigating allegations of skimming uh, committed by uh, various employees in the accounting department. Tell us about that particular case uh, to the extent that you can. Sure. Um, uh, th- that was uh, actually one of those situations in where, Chris, you-, you get involved and it's very hard to get out um, <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're, you become part of the process, literally. You know, I was uh, a jump out of uh, a boat, uh, one of their cruises uh, from uh, New York uh, into uh, the Bermudas. And, uh, you know, all I have was some, you know, general allegations of uh, some fraud, potential fraud that may have been committed by, uh, by accounting, uh, the accounting manager and some of the accounting clerks. Uh, so um, very interesting, you know, get out of, of uh, that, get into a situation, you know, uh, looking at the Verrazano Bridge and trying to figure, you know, what to do next uh, for the next, you know, two days. Um, now, the, this case, you know, started uh, because there were some uh, anonymous uh, complaints, uh, first, you know, from employees, and then some guests also uh, complained that the, the bills were just uh, not right. Um, and that, uh, you know, what happened is that um, uh, there were uh, a number of um, uh, members of the accounting department that colluded uh, in order to uh, commit a fraud. They, they will actually uh, spot uh, family, uh, families that uh, were coming into the boat. And, you, you know, when the, you come into a boat, usually all the crew members go, you know, go out and they, they start, you know, shaking hands. They're very happy to see you and uh, they're welcoming uh, reception. Uh, what's really uh, for them was a way to identify uh, who their targets are going to be of the fraud. So uh, they usually spotted, uh, you know, people, you know, big families. That was the, the, the ideal uh, 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 guest, you know, for them would be a big family with many kids, uh, teenagers. Uh, and uh, then they will target, you know, those uh, uh, guest folios. You know, they will uh, uh, create in many instances uh, funny uh, transactions, you know, like uh, uh, you'll see uh, um, uh, some of the guests going into uh, uh, um, the bar, for example, and ask for uh, several drinks, 
And, you know, you're in, into a situation where, as I guess, you know, you don't really, you know, you sort of have a general idea of uh, how much you're spending, but uh, after a certain amount of drinks, you just forget. You're just having a good time. So many of the, uh, the instances, you know, the people uh, where the fraud was committed against uh, didn't really have a good understanding of, of how much was taken from them. So uh, they were able to identify uh, most of the times it was between 20 to 30 different uh, groups of, of people uh, and guest folios. And uh, what they used to do was then the overcharges, you know, will be eventually uh, reversed. They did a number of reverse entries, and uh, uh, most of the reverse reverse entries were after the fact, after the guests closed the account, and they will pay uh, the uh, the guests back in uh, in cash. So of they course, had to. So so Billy, they had to actually account for everything that they're overcharging to be able to then reverse those amounts and and pocket and split. What that, they that were. is correct. Yeah, the, the accounting was impeccable. I mean, uh, there was no uh, uh, differences whatsoever. It was uh, uh, completely uh, perpetrated uh, through uh, adjusting entries and so, overcharges. So uh, how did you how did you how did you discover it? Well, um, I got into the boat, and we had these general allegations of, of uh, people being overcharged. Yeah. So uh, what I did is that I pulled out uh, personal files from the, from the accountants, and I noticed some, some trends. You know, some of them have been in that position for several years, which, you know, uh, is not completely unusual, uh, but what I found unusual was that uh, many of them have been offered promotions to uh, uh, move from the accounting department to some other areas, and they turned down the promotions. And it was a trend that I saw in about uh, not just that particular, you know, boat that I was in, but also in some of the other boats. Um, so uh, they decided, you know, not to uh, move, you know, only laterally. They will move the, not outside of the accounting department, but they will move into the accounting departments of other boats. Mm. So, uh, so that so, was kind of a, a trend that, was that I a, saw. That was a red flag for you when you saw yeah. them. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, of course, you know, I started to pull together all of the uh, adjusting entries. And uh, what was also uh, a sort of a giveaway that was that at one moment they were uh, uh, in a very low-key fashion uh, overbilling people and then, you know, getting the money back uh, through uh, the adjusting entries. Uh, and then eventually they, they became more, you know, brazen. They became more aggressive. And uh, uh, at one moment uh, uh, I saw, for example, guest folios in where, uh, there will be uh, the parents of uh, of three kids, and the three kids were uh, underage. They were 10, uh, 9, and 12. And uh, you will see uh, entries for those kids, you know, having uh, a martini at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning at, uh, at the bar. Right, right. So That's another tip away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, in the, and so, Billy, in, in, in this case, you're talking about a conspiracy of a bunch of people in the accounting department. I mean, how many people were we talking about? And were they colluding together, or were they each doing it on their own? Uh, well, there was collusion. Uh, of course, the, the head accountant was the uh, sort of the head of, uh, of the gang, and he was the, uh, the leader. Then uh, every ship usually have uh, two clerks, uh, two accounting clerks. And then they were not only colluding among themselves, but uh, then they have a number of waitresses uh, and, and bartenders that were also part of the fraud. So wow. uh, the bartenders and uh, the waitresses were sort of feeding them with, uh, with funny invoices, uh, and uh, which eventually were reversed. They will get a, a percentage out of it. Uh, the, uh, so they would uh, kick back to the uh, waiters and waitresses and, and sure, hosts and yeah. whatnot. 
they they were getting about fifteen to twenty percent, uh, almost like a tip, you know, <laughs> on each one of the uh, the fraudulent uh, invoices. And then uh, the accounting department was, for the most part, splitting about uh, you know fifty to sixty percent of uh, of the gross, you know, uh, uh, revenue from the fraud. So, um, so what I mean, in the course of a year, how much would these guys? The, the, these these conspirators have siphoned off from from a particular uh, cruise ship. Well, it, it's, it's Do, would you estimate? Quantify because you know it's it's not. Uh, I mean, it, it changed depending on on uh, I guess you know where you know the the number of days that the cruise will uh, will take off. Uh, the uh, also the uh, the locations where they were going, but you know uh, at least you know uh, two of the boats uh, I was able to work on. Uh, on the first one, uh, it was somewhere around between seventy to seventy-five thousand per trip. And, trip. Uh, there were per trip, and there was two trips uh, during the week. Um, when I uh, uh, eventually uh, interviewed, I mean, Billy, I mean that amount, you know, over the course of a year. I mean, the, the boat makes what, you know, a hundred trips a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no. We're talking about uh, some significant numbers here, and and uh, just on one trip, you know, I was able to uh, eventually uh, interrogate uh, some of the people that were involved in the scheme. Two of them confessed, and uh, I, just on one trip, I was able to recover in cash on the boat uh, over three hundred thousand dollars. Oh my goodness, that is incredible! Just an astounding amount of money, and so I, I hope the the cruise ship appreciated your efforts and. Put you and your wife on a on a around the world tour or something. Well, I, I, I got to sleep at the at the captain's, you know, uh, 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 room, you know, <laughs> the very last night. You know, that was the only night that I could sleep in 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 two days. But you, it was you a must, fascinating trip. Did you worry about your safety? Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, I I have two uh, um, a security personnel assigned to me, and then uh, uh, once that the people started to confess. Uh, we we locked them up in the, into the room into server into a, a secure room. You locked uh, them up. We, uh, <laughs> sure, we locked them up, and uh, we end up executing a, a, a search of their cabins, and that's where you know, among all things, we found three hundred thousand dollars, and found many other interesting things. You know that uh, I can't you know go into details, but that uh, that maybe is you know a very very interesting you know uh, uh, a trip. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. Uh, uh, we're going to take another uh, two-minute break here. Uh, love this story. Uh, and we'll be back in, uh, in two minutes, people. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. 
Marquet International Professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I am speaking with my special guest today, Billy Marlin, who is a forensic accountant and international fraud investigator extraordinaire. He's just been regaling us with a a fun story about uh, a skimming case on a cruise uh, uh, involving an international cruise line, and uh, it must have been they must have taken them, you know, for millions each year. I mean, just incredible amount uh, stolen. One of the things, and I asked Billy about, you know. Was he concerned about his safety? Um, and you were, weren't you, a little bit, Billy? Uh, you had a security. Uh, I, I was, I was a little bit concerned, uh, but you know, uh, uh, luckily, uh, I have two people that were assigned to me, so uh, two security details uh, from yeah. uh, within the boat, and uh, they help a lot. You know, they uh, sort of uh, lock the doors. You know, uh, <laughs> when people confess, and and then at the end, uh, something weird happened. This is uh, uh, once that I get into. Us, you know, we. Uh, I was waiting at the uh, at the airport to take a flight back to New York. Uh, for some reason, I didn't want to take the boat back. Back, you know, uh, the cruise back. I. Uh, well, one thing that happened is that I was so into the process that uh, one moment most of the crew members knew what, what I was doing, and uh, it became a very uncomfortable situation for everybody. I guess. So yeah. uh, I was waiting at the. Uh, uh, at the airport in Amuse to come back here, and uh, of course, you know, uh, I was completely tired, and uh, eventually I got into the uh, the plane, and, and while I was here on the plane, I said, okay, fine, I'm going to have some rest here, and then I, what I saw was the two uh, security personnel from the cruise, you know, walking with uh, the, three, uh, the three people that, uh, the two guys that confessed, and the guy, uh, one of the guys, the leader, that never confessed, and they sat down right uh, behind my uh, my seat. So uh, <laughs> I, that was... Uh, <laughs> Not what I was expecting, so uh, I didn't get to sleep until I got uh, later, you know, uh, to my house uh, that night. 
Right. Well, I mean, that's a, 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 with a lot of these international cases, and particularly in developing countries where, you know, the security system uh, situation can often be somewhat dicey. I mean, frankly, in some of these countries where, you know, a small group of families control both the government and all the industry, uh, and if you, and then also, you know, narco, whatever going on, uh, you have, you know, there's potential for serious security risks that uh, that you've gotten yourself into. And that's, that gets me into the next case I wanted to discuss with you. And that is uh, you work for in-house counsel for you, a major U.S. Def- uh, government defense contractor in Afghanistan, investigation, investigating allegations of fraud in their procurement process. Um, uh, and, of course, the security situation there is extreme. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, project, Billy, if you will. Right. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> this was, um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, a U.S. government uh, defense contractor uh, that was receiving uh, several million dollars per month uh, in order to uh, to support uh, our efforts uh, and, and the troops' efforts uh, and, uh, in Afghanistan. I ended up uh, traveling to uh, uh, Kandahar, uh, probably the second biggest city uh, behind uh, Kabul, and uh, uh, it was a, a fascinating, you know, matter. Very, very difficult situations, as you mentioned. I uh, when I landed and to the airport, you know, first uh, it was on the commercial side of the airport. You know, the airport is divided into two areas: the military side and the commercial. So uh, since I was not a member of the military, I have to fly on you know, a commercial flight to get there. And uh, so uh, I was received eventually by uh, uh, two uh, security, uh, you know, detail personnel, two bodyguards. Uh, I put on my uh, my full body armor, uh, and then I, uh, we took off on uh, in uh, three cars, you know, uh, uh, caravan, you know, back to uh, a fortified uh, uh, compound. And that's where most of the uh, work took place. Um, so um, what happened here is that uh, um, uh, the the uh, U.S. contractor had uh, a duty to report uh, accurate numbers to the government, and um, based on the expenses uh, that they were incurring. Uh, they were allowed to make a certain profit. So uh, for some reason, every month, uh, they couldn't come together, you know, with the right numbers. And uh, there were frequent adjusting entries, and uh, the uh, U.S. government was looking into them for, uh, you know, potential, you know, uh, uh, disbarment and potential issues, you know, that related to uh, their ability to continue to do business with uh, the U.S. government. So, in other words, because of the the, the the regular discrepancies in the accounting, there the U.S. government was considering sanctioning and or debarring this particular government con- uh, contractor from doing work for the government, which, of course, would have been a huge, major hit. Right, right. And um, there was a lot of corporate pressure, you know, uh, on the local people, the local accounting people and uh, their procurement people. To come up with, uh, uh, first, you know, uh, uh, fix the discrepancies. And, uh, and, and second, um, not only there were discrepancies, but internally there were, uh, what appears to be, uh, uh issues on, on the procurement side, on the actual, uh, procurement of, of goods and services in, in Afghanistan. There were a number of, uh, expenses that did not appear to be justifiable. Uh, based on uh, the things that uh, they were asked to do, and uh, the government had questions on those expenses as well. So, so, so what uh, did you find? Yeah, uh, what I ended up doing was, um, I, uh, you know, first, you know, I, I, I have to understand uh, what uh, internal controls they had 
to figure out, you know, what potential weaknesses, you know, uh, they could, you know, uh, have uh, utilized in order to do anything, you know, like the allegations were, were claiming uh, about, which in fact came through uh, an anonymous uh, uh, hotline. So uh, I did, uh, the first round was interviews uh, for about a day, and then the second uh, uh, day I spent most of the time uh, narrowing down to specific documents that were questionable. Uh, and then I moved into interrogations. So um, uh, on the third day, uh, I was able then to conduct a number of interrogations, uh, uh, which carry into the fourth day. On the fourth day, I was uh, eventually able to get uh, two confessions. Uh, the uh, director of procurement and uh, the chief accountant, both of them confessed that they had uh, manipulated the numbers. Uh, one of them was uh, just out of uh, uh, pressure, out of uh, pressure from a corporate. You know, uh, they wanted the numbers to be right, and uh, he uh, he made up numbers, <laughs> uh, and the numbers match at the end. So uh, the discrepancy the discrepancies were gone, but uh, then there was there was a number of questionable entries that were made in order to make the numbers match. Right. So. Uh, and the other one, uh, I mean, you must have had some evidence to get the confession in the first place, didn't you? Sure. Yeah, I had uh, uh, about uh, half a dozen different documents in where uh, the signatures in the documents and some of the handwriting of the document, by coincidence, you know, match uh, the ones of the uh, chief accountant. And uh, these were invoices, you know, from vendors, from third-party vendors. So uh, I was able to uh, uh, put enough pressure on him through uh, the uh, interrogations that uh, at the end he ended up confessing that he had altered those documents. So this was a purchasing, essentially a, a purchasing fraud scheme where they were what? They were, were they kicking back money to vendors or were they uh, siphoning money or they over creating false uh, invoices? How, what, how did it? Yeah, uh, the, um, uh, it was a combination um, of that. Uh, first, you know, it, it is a different uh, business environment altogether over there. You know, first is the, the language barrier. That's the first one. Um, and, and, and second is that uh, literally uh, there are no banks. Uh, so there is a, you cannot just issue a check and, and pay you know, somebody with a check, and uh, they will take the check and go to the bank and make a deposit, and there will be uh, a nice you know, traceable uh, link uh, number of events that you can then you know, investigate. So most of the payments were made in cash. And uh, at the beginning, uh, that was kind of a red flag for me. But, you know, after a couple of days and understanding what was going on over there, it was perfectly normal. Um, so um, uh, most but, of the But, but, but of course, risky for the, for the enterprise with, yeah, all that ca- yeah. oh, with all that cash floating around. Sure. Uh, at any given week, uh, more or less the volume of cash that was held was somewhere around two hundred to $300,000 at the installations uh, to make payments to vendors. Right, and in fact, the uh, the uh, couple of weeks before I I went to uh, uh, in this trip, uh, I received an oil surprise, and I was preparing to go, and uh, I learned that uh, somebody broke into the safe and physically, you know, stole, you know, close to uh, a quarter of a million dollars in cash. <laughs> wow, amazing! Yeah. So, um, so I, eventually, I, I got I I also narrowed down, you know, uh, to certain specific, you know, uh, members uh, that could have been, you know, uh, involving also in that theft. But uh, eventually, uh, uh, you know, my uh, my tour of duty ended, you know, within a week or so, and uh, I made some suggestions at least on how to uh, avoid, you know, uh, uh, that type of incidents to happen again. Which were uh, what so, kind of what kind of suggestions? Um, 
Well, um, uh, you know, first, you know, it's, it's, again, very difficult business environment. But uh, uh, one thing that uh, stood out out of this was that um, th- there was uh, easily uh, things that could have been avoided. And uh, there was collusion, uh, even though there were, you know, uh, levels of different, you know, uh, uh, people that were reviewing, approving, you know, documents. They were very close friends, and uh, yeah. they covered for each other. So uh, right. just uh, removing that type of uh, internal, you know, uh, 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 let's say informality uh, help in, in creating a, a better environment. So they ended up actually after they, these people got fired uh, or removed out of the uh, 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 secured, you know, uh, uh, location, uh, some of the people came in uh, uh, and uh, additional controls were also put in place in where uh, people from different departments uh, uh, will oversee uh, the, the process. So there was a, sort of a, a three-way you know, approval process in where somebody will figure, is this something that we really need to spend on? Somebody will say, well, uh, is this something that uh, are we paying the right price for this? Which is, again, very difficult in that type of situation. You, if you're in the middle of a war, yeah. uh, I mean, a tire can be, you know, uh, $1,000. You know, it can be whatever price you, know, you want you know, to pay for that as long as you need it. Mm, yeah, so it's very hard to quantify that. But then the third, you know, final approval process was actually handling the cash then uh, by the third uh, person uh, to uh, to the vendor. Yeah, so separate so se- segregation of duties and oversight, uh, right, which was cri- right. critical and lacking there. So, what a fascinating case! Again, uh, spending a week in Afghanistan <laughs> doing a financial fraud investigation. Yeah, uh, another uh, one of those cases where I didn't get to sleep that much. You know, uh, uh, one thing that it was, uh, I just couldn't sleep. Uh, uh, the first, the very first night, I got lost actually within the compound, and I was told, you know, you either wear, you know, uh, a, a metal identification, uh, you know, a plaque, you know, in, uh, in your, uh, uh, or you know, uh, uh, the security personnel here is authorized to to shoot, you know, without asking any questions. So uh, it wasn't a comforting, you know, feeling, you know, that very first night. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then by the time that I got to uh, to sleep, I couldn't sleep because there was all this rumbling around, and uh, I got out, outside the uh, the barrack, and I want to look at the sky. I saw this huge drone just floating on top of me, <laughs> looking kind of menacing, you know, my way. And uh, oh. so uh, I got used to that after the first night. You know, uh, I could see the drones, you know, leaving, uh, you know, uh, late afternoon and coming back early in the morning. Wow! All right, well, we're going to have to take a break here, and we'll be back for our final segment in two minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and 
and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I'm your host, Chris Marquet, speaking with my guest today, Billy Marlin, forensic accountant and international fraud investigator extraordinaire. Welcome back, Billy. Thank you, Chris. Uh, we were you, you regaling us with uh, incredible stories. Uh, the one, uh, the one on the cruise ship, and the one on in Afghanistan. Uh, I actually, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, uh, Billy is a founding partner of Veritas Assurance Partners, which is uh, one of Marquet International's strategic partners. And uh, I turned to Billy for uh, odd, sticky uh, financial investigations in in uh, in weird places and other projects uh, of that nature. Uh, one recently. Uh, uh, I had Billy uh, in uh, a bunch of different countries, Pakistan uh, and uh, Vietnam, on uh, on a FCPA uh, compliance review. And in that case, I, s- I sent Billy along with a Vietnamese accountant to, you know, American Vietnamese American accountant to Vietnam to go through that compliance review. Again, you know, safety is potential issue, a whole host of issues. But uh, but fascinating nonetheless. Uh, but I want to, um, and, and we could we could talk about that case for for hours. But I want to go back to yet another case uh, we you and I talked about off offline, which is uh, where you worked uh, uh, on a contract fraud case in the Caribbean, uh, working for outside counsel in this case for outside counsel for a Vietnamese steel processing company that acquired uh, manufacturing facilities in. Uh, in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, tell us about that case, Billy, if you will. Um, well, I was approached by uh, the outside counsel uh, of, the, uh, of the Vietnamese uh, company, um, and uh, they had some uh, concerns about uh, several things. You know, the first was that there was an expert witness report uh, that, uh, uh, that was written by uh, a, a professional engineer, and they just couldn't find the engineer. Um, <clears throat> he so, was missing. Uh, he was missing. Case, yeah, the case was already in in, uh, in litigation, uh, so they they were trying to locate this engineer. So that that's how I got involved. Uh, but then uh, I started as I started to uh, try to locate uh, this potential witness. 
uh, some of the things, you know, surfaced. Uh, first, you know, th- there was absolutely uh, no match uh, with uh, the credentials of the person, the name of the person, the potential uh, age, uh, and uh, some initial identification, vague identification that he has given, you know, as part of the report. Even the company uh, that he worked for, allegedly worked for, uh, did not exist. So, so I was able so to... This guy, uh, was a, this guy was a complete fraud. Sure, yeah. But uh, what, what was interesting was that, you know, that, that report um, uh, contained uh, information uh, that was used to sell uh, these uh, uh, mining, you know, uh, K, uh, 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 mill, you know, sugarcane mill uh, facilities in Puerto Rico. This was an old uh, sugar mill uh, installation uh, that was built back in the, uh, in the 1800s. So he had plenty, plenty of... Uh, uh, steel, you know, and uh, the uh, uh, Vietnamese company wanted, as part of uh, what was going on in their country, uh, they were kind of uh, scouting out different locations and places, you know, where they could buy the steel, you know, uh, cheaply and then uh, send it back to their country. So uh, this sort of, you know, was made out of a handshake agreement. It was uh, a one-page contract. There was no due diligence whatsoever. That's the way the business is done over there. If you're uh, if you question, you know, people, it tends to be on the personal side. People take it personal. You know, it's a dishonor to be questioned. Right. Uh, and there was no physical inspection of the uh, the premises. So when I started to dig into this alleged, you know, expert report, uh, I noticed some uh, pictures of um, uh, of the meal. And, uh, I mean, they do look, uh, you know, uh, fairly uh, complete, you know, all of the installations. Uh, but then a, a physical visit. Uh, to the place uh, was completely, you know, uh, the opposite of what was in the pictures. You know, it, it looked like uh, uh, an, an UFO crash site, you know, to, you know, for a better term, you know, a lack of a better term, you know, there were, you know, scattered a few pieces here and there, but you couldn't even tell, you know, what it was, you know, uh, before, you know, whether it was a, a sugar uh, cane meal or not. Uh, and then uh, when I dig deeper into the uh, pictures that were used by this alleged expert, uh, the pictures were actually uh, uh, in a newspaper that came out about uh, 15 years ago when the uh, sugar mill uh, was closed, was literally closed. Mm. So, uh, and then uh, as I started to dig deeper into this, uh, the uh, person uh, that uh, signed the contract you know, with a client had a, a history of, uh, of uh, creating uh, companies and closing the companies once the litigation took place. Uh, so I ended up interviewing some other people that he had done uh, work in the past, and, and there was at least three separate fraud uh, that he had committed in the past. Uh, saying, you know, same thing. He was targeting uh, preying on the uh, on on the Asian community, uh, and uh, his good name, you know, was always, you know, uh, in the forefront, you know, trying to get them to bite into what he was trying to sell them. So uh, eventually, I ended up um, uh, testifying uh, as an expert witness against, you know, uh, 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 the um, uh, this alleged you know, report, and uh, came up with uh, a number of uh, very damaging, you know, information. Of course, you know, the uh, the 20 years, you know, photos, you know, didn't help uh, the credibility of the report. Uh, and then something also happened, which uh, the uh, which is the um, uh, the uh, uh, outside counsel. Uh, of the opposite, you know, party, uh, was also, uh, uh, I was able to link uh, the report, uh, the uh, source of report, the origin of the report, was uh, the office of the outside counsel. That was when it initially came out, uh, the report from. So uh, that's something that uh, the outside counsel couldn't explain, 
and uh, of course, you know, uh, became uh, a major uh, issue after I gave my uh, my testimony in court. So, so this this is a case of, and we're going to have to wrap it up soon. But this is a case of, you know, do your due diligence for crying out loud. Uh, you know, know who you're doing business with. Uh, make sure you kick the tires uh, before you enter in a contract. And uh, and this again, you see this kind of thing. I mean, Bill, you've seen this kind of thing many times and throughout uh, uh, Central and South America on cases. Sure. Correct? Yeah. No. It's it's always uh, it's, it's uh, there's some common patterns. Very common patterns, uh, and and it's always uh, as long as there is opportunity. Uh, you know, we go back to the uh, uh, to the uh, fraud triangle back, you know, in the 70s from from Creasy, and uh, you got pressure, you have uh, opportunity, and then uh, rationalization. Uh, right. uh, pressure, you know, we live in a very competitive world. You know, you cannot take pressure away. You know, there's always you know sales quota. There's always you know profit margins that you need to make. Uh, opportunity, you can you can actually try to take away the opportunity by creating better internal control, and then. Uh, uh, the rationalization part of it, you know, uh, if you have a, a strong ethical model, you know, uh, 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 training, you know, to your employees in, in sort of uh, key positions, that, that certainly helps, you know, in, in reduce the fraud uh, and, and the incidences. Sure, absolutely, and uh, and thank you, Billy, for those great stories and and your your kind your kind advice. Uh, well, I w- wish we could have gotten to some of the more some of the other cases. Uh, case uh, you work for Central American uh, country, actually working on their uh, their their transparency and and accountability in their elections process. That that must have been fascinating. But we just don't have time today. Perhaps uh, perhaps we can get it to it uh, next time, Billy. Thank you. Uh, Please join us next week, next Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another edition of Fraud Attack. My guest next week will be Davin Morrison, who is a specialized psychologist. And the topic is going to be about, you know, why and how fraudsters uh, commit their frauds and do what they do. So, Billy, once again, thank you. Uh, I am your host, Chris Marquet. We'll be back next week, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon. We'll be right back.